What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in, checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode 26. I'm your host, Wes, and today we're going to pick up right where we left off with an amazing conversation between myself and Greg Benick. Check it out. Something that's, that's I've always thought was interesting that you and I are similar in the sense that we both always have like 50,000 things happening, right? Whether we're doing, you know, podcast or, you know, you're doing juggling or playing shows or speaking at an event, right? Like we always have a bunch going on, right? Which is, you know, often why we don't talk as much as we used to, right? Because everyone just, you get busy and it happens, right? But here we are now, we're making the best of it. I love it, love it, love it. I wanted to find out from you. So like most of the stuff you were doing and this pins back to that conversation and the advice that you had given me, um, it was fairly like entrepreneurial, right? And one of the things that I had mentioned in the last episode was that, you know, you've, uh, you know, up until then, at least from what I had known about you, you had done a really good job of, you know, being in business, being in the Greg business, right? Being like Greg Benick, that was your business. You know, you're able to take your skills and things that you've refined over years to be able to, you know, set your own schedule, do thing on do things on your terms. And, you know, you were kind of bestowing that, you know, advice upon me. Like one of the things that I remember was, and I think I said this in the episode, it made me laugh out loud, which is doesn't happen a ton when you're trying to do a podcast. But, you know, I was like, yeah, he didn't look homeless. You know, like he was wearing regular clothes. And like, so, which gave, made me think that, you know, at some point you had, you know, some sort of success with the, you know, the information that you're giving to me. And so I was like, oh, like he can do it. Like we're eating in a restaurant. You're going to pay cash, right? You're not going to like go in the back and wash dishes, right? Like you're, you're doing it, right? So, you know, I guess my question is, you know, what made you start going down that path of being, you know, in business on, of yourself in that kind of entrepreneurial journey? It was most definitely seeing my parents and their experiences, which were very different. Um, that was a huge point of inspiration uh, very early on. My father worked corporate jobs and was, he was at, you know, worked at banks and uh, a watch manufacturing company, but corp, corporate, corporate stuff. And was always very stressed waking up super early, taking buses into New York City from where we lived in Connecticut, coming home late, being stressed. And I think that seeing his level of stress made me think, I never want to do that. I don't want to be that. I never want to do that. I don't want to be that. No offense to him, but it was, I don't want to be that level of stress. Okay. At the same time, my mom decided to change her career every 10 years. So she was an aerobics instructor for 10 years. She was a hypnotherapist for 10 years. She owned a learning center for kids who needed help with learning for 10 years. She was always changing her career, always changing what she was doing. And that willingness to reinvent herself and having the courage to reinvent herself was always very inspiring to me. So if you combine those two, um, it was a pretty good set of examples from which to try to develop ideas. And then the idea came to me quite honestly by accident when I learned how to juggle when I was a kid. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I could do a show and someone would pay me to do this. Like people will pay to see juggling. That's interesting to me. And then over the course of my life realizing, oh, you know, I can, I can speak and people will pay to hear what I have to say. That's 
fascinating. Oh, I can combine them together and do presentations for companies and for associations and for nonprofits and whoever that are funny and interesting and people will pay for that. Wow. And it's just been this kind of like, I don't want to say snowball effect because that makes it sound like I'm incredibly busy, but I've obviously got time on a a weekday to sit here and talk to you. So how busy am I? But the point (laughs) point is, the point is, um, a a slow build for sure. And at times with spikes of success and at other times, massive troughs of what feels like intensive failure. But the key is to stay in it and stick with it. Uh, That's, that's the absolute key that you have to do. So um, you are rather, you have to not just do, you have to be, you have to be willing to stay in it uh, even when times get really challenging and tough. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the background of it. And that's kind of where it, um, where it, where it came from for me. That's pretty interesting that your mom would do that. She would do it every 10 years, regardless of like, would she just get bored or she just decide that now's the time or. I think what it was, and I'll have to ask her. I think it was that she wanted to change her career every 10 years, starting at age. It might've been age 40. Was that it? She was an aerobics instructor. I remember when she turned 40 and definitely a hypnotherapist later in her forties. And then the, the learning center around when she was 50, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what the rationale was. I should, I should ask her that. Like, why, you know, why did she do that? Why didn't she write a book about it? You know, every 10 years that, you know, the, the Diane story, like, why didn't she write a book about that? And be, you know, she did speak. She was a speaker for a while too. And that's kind of where the inspiration in part for me came from as well. Um, a story that I love telling and I don't want to divert away from what you want to talk about, but my, my mom was speaking to groups and organizations on the East Coast in the small community that she lives in, a, a speech called Exercising As We Age. And she said to me at one point when I was going back East to visit them, you know, Gregory, I'm going to be speaking at the local hospital doing Exercising As We Age. Maybe you'd like to come see. And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be very sweet, mom. I'd love to. Now at this point, I'd already been a speaker and making my living speaking and competing and speaking and blah, 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 speaking. And I thought, how cute, my mom's gonna do a talk. I'm gonna go see my mom do her talk. So as the time drew near for me to fly to the East Coast, I was asking my mom, you know, you're still doing your, your, your speech? You know, and she's like, I am. She said, it's sold out. I'm very excited. And I'm like, sold out? Like, wait a minute, what are you, what are you even talking about? Like, <laughs> you're selling tickets? Like, no, I don't sell tickets. So wait, are you selling tickets? And evidently it's true. She, they had sold like 100 or 150 tickets at $2 each. And they were sold out. And I'm like, can I get on the guest list? Like, I mean, can I come see your show? So, you know, she said, you know, you'll come with me. And I was like, great. So I go to the event, I walk in the room and I walk to the back of the room. The entire room is packed full of 70, 80 and 90 year olds ready to hear Diane Bennett's presentation, exercising as we age. Okay. So my mom is in the front of the room. You have to understand my mom is five feet tall. She's very sweet, very kind, very nice. And she's just waving at all of her friends and like, hi. And they're waving back at her. Hi. You know, and she's just, you know, oh, hi. And she she sees Susan and waves at Susan. And it's all very cute and sweet. And I'm like, what is happening? The woman gets ready to introduce my mom and says, everyone, I'd like to welcome right now, please welcome our speaker today, speaking on exercising as we age, Diane Benick. And my mom walks up to the podium and she's just waving at her friends and, you know, fidgeting with her notes. She puts her notes down. She looks up at the audience and she says, if you don't exercise as you age, your neighbors will read about you, 
when they find your body at the bottom of the stairs after you fall down the stairs and you can't get up. Okay, she didn't laugh as I just did when I said that, but she starts in like a freight train and I was mesmerized. I've got goosebumps thinking about it. I'm like, holy crap, that's my mom. She went, she did 90 minutes. At the time I was doing 60 minutes at the most in my keynotes, maybe like 75 at a stretch. And my mom does 90 minutes without batting an eyelash, just just like a, like a freight train through this audience for 90 minutes, letting them know that exercise and their life are intertwined and their life depends on exercise. And she finishes this 90 minutes and she gets done like, and that's why you have to exercise as you age. We all have to do that together. And she puts, you know, her hands down, she picks up her notes and everyone starts clapping. And she starts waving at her friends and you know, like, and walks off the stage. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? In that moment, I thought to myself, Oh, wow. Okay. So my mom's actually the hardcore singer. Like that's where this all came from. She's the, she's the punk singer. Like she's crushing it. Like, Oh, okay. The apple doesn't far from the tr- fall far from the tree, but it's not, this isn't about me. This is about my mom. My mom rules. So it was pretty, pretty awesome to see, but that's, that's where some of the inspiration came from. I, I consider it genetic between my father's steadfastness and willing to in, willingness to endure and my mom's willingness to just crush audiences left and right. Like they were just, you know, balls of paper, just like crush them in her hands and just toss them over the shoulder. That's where it all came from. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Right. And you're, yeah, just, just hearing you talk about it is, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. In my, I, I have this, like, uh, this view, this view in my head of a female version of Dwight Schrute in the office when he has the episode where he's pounding on the podium, <laughs> right. And doing the, the Mussolini yeah. kind of things. Right. Um, yeah. but just, or, but just imagine much, much shorter than Dwight Schrute, much, much, much shorter, much sweeter, much more connected. And then like, 10 times, a hundred times more intense. The second it's go time. I still like, I find so much inspiration in the moment. And that whole, that 90 minutes was whew, definitely worth the two bucks for all the folks who paid full price to get in. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny to see sometimes those, those attributes that, you know, your parents have um, that kind of like pass down to you sometimes not even knowing it right it just kind of like pops up and you're like oh i realize i mean i can't tell you how many times my wife calls me by my dad's name because i look like him and i stand like him and it's you know very apparent very obvious and you know i think i talked about this in a handful of early episodes you know my dad was like a, a failed entrepreneur in every way possible you know he would take a hundred dollars and go start a new business and he'd make 500 and he'd turn that into you know 2000. And then all of a sudden he'd be broke again. When he go back to, you know, another hundred dollar business that he started, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, fall in that footstep in the sense that, you know, I've always, I always have things that I'm pursuing in, in, you know, different ways, whether they're, you know, impactful or, you know, have any sort of legs or longevity, you know, it's still something that I always like to explore. Right. I mean, K breaks is, is one of those things as well that kind of started out that way. And, in uh you know started as a passion project and you know now it's sold in 90 countries around the world right it's a whole product line it's its own thing which is is great but i mean that's definitely something that you know my dad uh when he was around was super excited about he's like hey man he'd always call me how's k breaks how's k breaks right because like he was kind of living vicariously through you know my success on a startup right so 
it's it's interesting to see how that stuff kind of uh comes into play as you get older i i, I love that about you and i'll say that you're yes 100 i see oftentimes a lot of my father and myself like you know one of my greatest passions in the world i rarely talk about this but is is coins and uh researching coins coin collecting everything about coins I'm, it's far more of a passion for me than hardcore speaking juggling any such thing i'm constantly 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 reading thinking about coins one of the reasons i think that I am so hyper-focused on it is because my father's ability to be hyper-focused on tasks is pretty astounding. And whether it is this interest of his or that interest of his or his focus on business, he's like, he just hyper-focuses on it until the task is done. And that's the way that I approach, you know, studying some of this stuff about, you know, around coins and whatnot. So I, again, Apple not far from the tree, but back to you and K breaks. I remember when you started K breaks, I thought to myself, well, that's, that's cute. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Like a break <laughs> that prevents the bass drum from moving. Like what drummer hasn't thought of that uh, or invented it. It's called a cinder block, like way to go Wes. Like who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I thought like, oh, this is interesting, right? Like, you know, he's taken a new angle on this. And this will be cool. Like he'll be able to sell this to his friends. And, you know, he's been in a tour, in touring bands, so he knows people and he'll be able to sell this to his friends. But my approach to thinking about K-Breaks was, and I don't want to say it's cute. I say that for comical effect. It was more like, oh, this, this is cool. All right. You know, like really thinking that it was going to be you selling to the, you know, Alexis and other people. I've just named listeners, a drummer that Wes and I both know you know, these folks, right, in a very limited, you know, sell a couple hundred of these things and call it a day. As you've posted over the years, I'm like, this is real. Like, <laughs> I started realizing, like, <laughs> K-Breaks is like a thing. Like, this is like a company. This is an identity. And then you'll be posting and be like, yeah, you know, John Bonham came back from the dead because he really wanted K-Breaks. And like all this stuff, like all these drummers throughout history were like desperate to get K-Breaks. I'm like, oh my God, like all these people throughout the industry. I'm like, this is a real thing it's inspired me. So what I want to say in saying that is that your last episode was about the way that our conversation and what I said inspired you. Okay. Hooray. Wonderful. Very happy about it. Very moving and meaningful. Moving on from that, what you have done with K-Breaks has certainly inspired me because you have taken a problem that every drummer faces and has made a solution for it for them. And not just the bass drum, but you know, their equipment in, in overall, you've made a solution that works for them and they're responding and, and, and buying this thing. And it's pretty remarkable. I mean, being a speaker doesn't take much. Anybody can speak, right? But figuring out what problem you're solving, that's a huge, huge, huge challenge. Uh, it's one that I go back and forth with all the time about, you know, what problem am I solving for this audience on this night, this client at this time? Uh, and I get, I get inspiration from you, man, without a doubt, you've done something pretty amazing with, uh, with, with K breaks for sure. Well beyond just selling to our, you know, weirdo friends, <laughs> you've definitely <laughs> taken it well beyond. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I would have been the naysayer in the, in the investment meeting going, you know, Wes, of course I'd be happy to invest $300 in your business that will eventually yield maybe $300 back. And instead it's like, <laughs> you've just you've gone hard, you know, don't ask me for investment advice. Yeah. You've done. No, I, I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate it. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing and it's humbling to hear. Uh, but at the same time, you said something which was really interesting to me. 
you said anyone can get up here and speak, right? And we both know number one fear in the world, hands down, right, is public speaking. The number one fear of a drummer is not their drum sliding away. Right. So there's a little bit of non apples to apples here. Right. So, okay. 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 Say, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, and it, and it kind of brings me to my next point, which is, you know, I said, I wasn't going to go through all the amazing things that you do and you do a really good thing of raising other people up. Like that's one of the things that you do. It's really amazing quality. K breaks, blah, blah, blah. People got episodes and episodes to hear about K breaks. What I really want to know about, really want to understand from you is that, you know, you've done, wait, let me actually, let me back up. Let me back up. Do you know how many people in my life that I've talked to about, I'm like, oh yeah, I was hanging out with Greg Bennick. Like when we used to, you know, hang in Seattle and go to Rise. I'm like, yeah, did you know, you know, that he's a professional juggler? And these are like, you know, punk rock, hardcore, whatever kids. And like, I would say, you know, nine out of 10 kids, no idea. They're just like, face is right. like, what? Like, I don't, you know, and, and you, you have done, you know, aside from your old email address, um, you had done a really good job of separating church and state, right. Always. In that, yep. in that world. Yep. And it's, it, that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people that, that like myself that work in corporate America, but also have like side hustles and side gigs, you know, separating church and state is always really important to me. And I think mm-hmm. that's always a, a, an interesting lesson because you know, it, it, it causes nothing but problems. Right. So, um, but it's interesting that, you know, you were for so long in these, these bands. And then I found out later, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's a, he's a juggler. And I'm like, what, what's, what's going on here? Like, and I kind of like did, did some digging and then you and I would like hang out at your house and you would have these, these pins and, and rings and balls and all kinds of anything you could throw in the air. Like you had it there right? In, in multiples, right? Not just one or two, it was always three or five or something. And then like, you know, as I started digging around further, um, this is, this is me researching back in the day, like, how can I be more like Greg? He just gave me this information. He, you know, he, I mean, you, you had your web, you have a website still gregbenick.com. On the last episode I talked about, I went out and made westkeely.com, right? Like, how can I be more like Greg? Like my name, I tried to do Greg Benick also, but it didn't work. So I did westkeely.com. <laughs> as I started digging back in the day, I was like, wait a minute, this, this guy is on a six foot unicycle juggling and wearing like this weird, like Janet Jackson headset, the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. And microphone and talking to people. And I'm like, how, I'm, how has this been hidden from me for so long? Like all these years, like I've watched you up and, you know, singing and, and sing along and, you know, being sweaty and, you know, kids jumping on you. But then like, you know, I go to the internet and I find this guy who's like real clean cut and like super amazingly well-spoken and articulate and telling jokes and juggling and riding this unicycle. And I was just like, I mean, I wanted to share this with everybody, right? Because <laughs> the people that don't know, I mean, now, you know, <laughs> how, how did that, I mean, just, you know, I have a thousand other thoughts, but like, how did that, how did that even come about? Like, how did the, all those things land together? Yeah. So, I mean, specifically the idea of splitting, as you said, church and state came from um, a, a specific and definitive choice. I mean, I was juggling professionally starting when I was 13 and doing presentations and performances very early on, uh, making them specific to clients as early as fifth, 
16 years old, I think. So that preceded hardcore by a couple of years for me. Um, when I got involved in being in the band, when trial, you know, really got underway, I made a definitive choice uh, to split those two parts of my life. And the reason I did it was because as the singer of the band, I knew that I would be quote unquote front and center on stage. I knew that I would um, be speaking or representing the band in a way that's different from other members of the band. I mean, it's just the way that it is. I mean, and it's fortunate or unfortunate as, as the case may be, but I mean, you know, how many famous bassists are there? No offense, Getty Lee, but I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just not yeah, as course. many famous, you know what I'm saying? Right. So if you put it this way, if you ask, you know, uh, you know, a hundred people who the bassist of their favorite band is, they might simply not know, you know, um, or, the, or the drummer sometimes gets overlooked, you know, the singer gets too much attention. So I made a choice that given that the other walk of my life was, hey, literally look at me while I throw and catch fire and knives in the air. I thought, I don't want to combine. I don't want to connect the two because I never want trial to be perceived as Greg Benick and the trials because the contribution of everybody in that band made the band. Um, so I made a choice early on thinking, okay, I'm going to split these up and separate them so that I'm not asked to juggle at hardcore shows so that when trial plays, somebody doesn't say, oh, it'd be sick if you just juggled flames and threw them in the audience and then did your set. It's like, nah, this isn't Greg Benick and the trials. This is a band. So I separated the two. Okay. To my, I mean, detriment in some ways, and um, in other ways, I'm really, really glad I did it. In fact, overall, let's say 90%, I'm glad I did it. 10%, I often think to myself, huh, I wonder if I had not separated church and state in that way, if I would have been able to entertain a bit more with the juggling to people connected to the hardcore scene, you know, and just like perform, you know, on my own at shows and whatnot. And just, you know, just, just entertain more people in a way that was more kind of progressive towards just, uh, I don't know, bringing more life into the world by way of that form of art. Uh, but choosing to separate the two, I still think was a good choice overall. I really, really do because it meant that I could focus when I was uh, on stage with the band, not on, the, as you said, the refined, well-spoken approach that I take to clients, but rather just be this uh, relentless, all over the place, driven by passion, <laughs> you know, human animal, just like going for it with my, <laughs> with my friends and with, you know, all the people in the band together as a collective and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's how that choice came, came about. And I do want to acknowledge you for one thing. I appreciate you saying not everyone can stand up and speak because I think that you're definitely right about the fear of speaking. And, um, you know, I, I tend sometimes to, um, speak in a, like a self-deprecated way, both for, you know, comedic purposes, but also just cause it's, you know, I'm, I'm an easy target for me, but you're right that, you know, public speaking and fear of death along with spiders, I think is number three, are, are typically the three things that people fear the most. And death and, and speaking swap. So there are times when people fear speaking more than they fear death, which, you know, as the kind of joke goes, I mean, you're, you're more afraid of, of, of dying, um, or rather you're more afraid of speaking at your own funeral than you are of dying. Um, so it's bizarre. I mean, it's just bizarre to me. But so you're right. I do appreciate that. I need to, I need to remember that and keep that in mind. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to jump in and cut it right here. 
this conversation just keeps getting better. We talked for two plus hours about everything under the sun. We got two more parts to go. This is part two of a four-part series with Greg Bennick. Super exciting. The conversation gets even better. This was episode 26. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Hustle the Most podcast. This was episode 26. Check out episode 27 and 28. We continue the conversation with Greg Bennick. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you.